everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and this is episode 290. And today I'm joined with Beth English, and I'm really excited to tell you about her. But I wanted to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash design recharge. There's over 180 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. All right, we're going to get on to the show. And Beth is did not start out as a designer, did not start out, started it more in the business field and took a quick sideways turn and now has found her calling in community building. So that's why I know she will, uh, Amy, you will love her because they're huge community builders in AIGA Raleigh. And Beth is in Nashville, but she's a Texas native, right? That's right. Right. All right. So I'm not going to go on and on like I normally am. I'm trying to get better every day. So Beth, give us, because you studied business, right? Mm -hmm. And now okay. you're a full-time artist and you do marketing consulting and you help lots yeah. of clients, but then you also are a speaker. You've built a creative community in Nashville. So tell us a little bit about your background and then how you took that right turn. Okay, so I went to business school at the University of Texas because I thought that sounded like a good plan. <laughs> it is a good plan, probably, yeah. And, uh, and so I went through um, business school, but took uh, once a semester a fun class, which was like art or drawing or costume design and um, art history. I just fell in love with art and it was amazing. And so after school, I wasn't really, I mean, I was trying to get a job, but my heart was really set at like moving to the Caribbean and being a scuba diving instructor. So I was a scuba instructor. So I did that for like a year. And then I moved to Nashville and was like, I'm going to be an artist because there was this question that I asked myself. It was like, what do you want to do with your life? Like you have this one life. Like, what do you want to do? Cause here I am, like I was in the islands and I was just like, this world is so big and anything is possible. Like, what am I going to do? And I said, I'm going to be an artist. And so that's what I did. So I moved to Nashville and I mean, I just did get a job. I started waiting tables and then I ended up in a full-time position in real estate. So I was doing like marketing and advertising and real estate, but like my side hustle was painting, showing art, mm. selling art. And so I just have always since, you know, 2006, seven ish have been like making art, showing art, selling art, and just trying to build momentum with that. Um, so tell them um, or show them whatever, if you want to do that, or you want me to show it, tell, tell us about the kind of art you were making. Cause actually I think of you as such a, um, you are a Renaissance woman because I think, so you do painting, I know, mm -hmm. and you do big murals, but then you're also, you took comedy classes, you're a writer. So I feel like art is, is maybe not enough of a term for you, you know, cause sometimes people think that's just a visual artist, but you really right. do a lot of other things as well. Well, I grew up playing um, musical instruments. I played piano and I was in the band. So I played percussion and like timpani in the concert season. Went to all like, that's how I knew I wanted to go to the University of Texas because that's where I was going to like take all of my um, state competitions for my band uh, instruments. And so I, uh, I did the whole band thing, but I also was a dancer. So I danced from when I was three years old to 18 years old. So a good oh, wow. 15 years of dance, like ballet, jazz, tap, like everything. Um, and then I didn't start really painting. Well, I always sewed too. So that's why I wanted to be a costume designer. And so I was sewing and then I took this drawing class and costume design school and was like, I want to, I want to make art now. So I started making art and, uh, <laughs> I still, I write music, play guitar, sing, perform. Yeah. I just did stand up. I just like doing all kinds of fun, creative things. That's just, but were you, so so as a, a business student, you were still kind of exploring because you took that one fun class every semester. Mm -hmm. That's a really big commitment and a big change to go from business school to, hey, I'm going to, and a lot of people do something fun right out of school, like the scuba instructor, but then they go and get their real job. Yeah. So what, how did, because I feel like you, and you talk about this in some of the writing that I have read and you and I talk, you talk about, um, like really seeking, but like, 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 um, 
seeking after joy in mm -hmm. such a fervent way that it wasn't like, oh, if I pass it, it's good. I mean, it was like really you sought out after it and you just said you were going to figure it out. So what did that kind of look like? What did, what did that path, because this may be something that people are like, oh, this is, no, nobody could do this. You know, she must just be super wealthy or her parents took care of her. This was not the case, right? So can you kind of paint that? Because that's how it, how it may come across, but you just made a, a decision that you wanted to do this and you said, I'm not going to let this anything stop me. And mm -hmm. money is not a stopper, right? No. Um, you know, when I moved to Nashville, I didn't have any money. So like I was working, I was waiting <laughs> tables like two days after I moved into this condo. Um, and like, I just have always like the last 12 years of my life have really just been, you know, how do I pay the bills and like keep this afloat and keep going? I mean, I've, I haven't had a lot of real money. Like the last, like last year was my year of really being more successful then, and that's you no know, 12 years of hustling. So it's just like a long, long road of many, many steps, but I was seeking it so intentionally, the joy part, the painting part, because like I received visions and so I would have visions of paintings and I would have visions of what I was supposed to do. I'm really uh, spiritual and connected to God. And so I live my life like more spiritually led than say like worldly led. So like things I may do wouldn't make sense to a lot of people. Right. But like, I always just take these big leaps of faith and just kind of follow those steps. You know, same with the group that I started. I didn't know why I was doing all this work for nothing in return, like monetarily, because, you know, we're taught to like have profits be our end goal, but like money has never been anything that has mm -hmm. like encouraged me to, you know, make decisions based on money. It's always been more like heart centered. And so I was seeking joy because I was healing from trauma because I'm a, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and that experience and the, and the walking with shame, mm. um, pretty much like for 30 years, uh, what needed to end. And, and God was making that clear to me and he was like showing me the way. So it wasn't like I just decided to heal and did it like, it was like all these little bitty seeds that were being planted along the way that were like growing and I was following and just, you know, being connected in and um, seeking joy with the painting was, was a vision that I was given. It was, I was journaling one day and all of a sudden, like I wrote out, paint what you're afraid to paint. Mm. And I knew what that meant. Like I knew what that looked like because I've been having these visions of it and, but like thinking that's not marketable, that's not the right thing to do, you know? And so I said, you know what, I'm going to just go with my heart. Like if I'm going to build a business and put all this work into whatever it is that I'm trying to create, like it might as well be fun and it might as well be like exactly what it is that, you know, who I am and what I'm representing. And so I just stopped hiding behind that veil of what it was that I was supposed to look like and then just start doing what felt like was absolutely in alignment with who I am and my story. And so that's how it all sort of kind of developed was who am I? What is this vision that I'm painting? How does it relate to my story? How do I like create this bigger picture of my life's mission and, and be able to visually represent that, be able to, you know, speak about it, be able to, you know, talk about how community helps when you're, you know, needing that support and encouragement when you're going out and doing big things, you know, because like doing this alone is not an option. Hmm. It feels like that. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why my community exists because I was alone in this process and I didn't want to be anymore. And I wanted to create a space where we can encourage each other because artists, you know, we a lot of times work alone and uh, we're, we're preparing these shows and we're doing all this work. And then in the end, it's just like this exhausted feeling. Right. And it's like, well, either you want to do it again or you don't, you know, it's like, I just kept being like, after a show was hung and I haven't even had the reception yet. I'm like, well, the next one's going to be like this. And I'm already like planning out what I want to do next. And so it's just about the process. And I just like to um, embrace it with a like, curiosity to mm. like experiment because what I learned is I was living life going through this process and I was looking back and being disappointed on how I lived it. Oh, wow. Just in general, because it was like, wait, why I was, you know, looking back at these photos, like, you know, 
why wasn't I enjoying myself more? I was being so hard on myself. And now I'm like, I don't want to be so serious anymore. I just want to have fun. Like, how do we take the seriousness of life out of like the equation of how I walk every day? Yeah, take something seriously. Don't get me wrong, right? But what my approach is more like, I want to feel light because I'm tired of the heaviness. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, but that was, so again, painting that picture, you're walking, uh, you're in, in Nashville. Nope. You don't have family in Nashville. You moved there alone. You didn't have a community of people. Maybe you knew somebody. Did you know anybody? Mm-mm. But I moved to Nashville with um, my uh, boyfriend at the time. Okay. So, so you had one person, but it wasn't like, and you were really kind of figuring out who you were and who you wanted to be, but this was a complete kind of 180 you weren't doing. So what was the kind of reaction from your family? Well, I mean, I had already said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to Paris and I did that and I'm going to the Caribbean and I did that. So they were just glad I was in the States. <laughs> That's a good way to set it up then, right? Yeah. And I mean, Nashville's a cool city and, um, you know, my parents came and visited me here and everything. And I mean, I was, I was, they believed in you. They knew you could do it. They knew, they they knew knew I could take care of myself. Mm. They didn't really know what I was doing, but, um, they followed along as best they could. (laughs) So so, (laughs) what number child are you? Are you an only? I'm the third child, the youngest girl, only girl. Okay. All right. So one of the things, I think you wrote a blog post about this because you are an avid writer and you, I do think that's a good way to kind of um, get in touch with some of those, the things that you're learning and feeling um, in, your, in anybody, everything. I think we all should be, we should write more and reflect. Yeah. Um, but you have a post that is uh, about living simply. And it's kind of like you in a, cause you, I'm just, you know, I think, you're in this place, you have all this furniture, just like everybody else, but you probably didn't. And you probably, you were okay eating ramen or you were okay, you know, eating, maybe not eating ramen noodles, but you know what I mean? Like you were living differently. And I think that that's where people are like, oh, I could never do that. But I think you just made a choice to focus on the joy and you do have such a positive energy about you. So anyway, could you tell them like, kind of paint that picture of what, like, a, did you have your dog at this time? Things like that. So I've sold all of my belongings twice. First is when I moved to the Caribbean and cause I wanted to be free from it all. And so that's mm. when I first did it. So I was literally like traveling around with two bags of luggage and that was it. And I lived that way for over a year. And so when I came back to Nashville, you know, it's like you start to acquire all the stuff again. Mm-hmm. And then I went through a divorce and had to, um, you know, pack up the house and, and I couldn't, and I had to do it all by myself. So I, you know, sold a lot, gave a lot away to my church friends and just tried to, you know, lighten the load literally to make it easier on this woman doing all this stuff on her own and, uh, you know, help for my friends, of course, but that's kind of, that's a lot, you know, and then you realize like all this stuff isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. So when I moved, um, into my apartment, I, uh, I was starting a business like I was, you know, starting my, my, you know, that was three years ago. And so I, I had to sell everything to make the make ends meet. And so I sold all my furniture and I sold everything I could on Facebook marketplace and, um, eventually had nothing. (laughs) I didn't care. I was like, okay, I have a house, I have a bed. Like, what do I need really Mm -hmm. to survive? Like, and it, and it didn't even feel like, oh, I don't have anything. It was like liberating. Yeah. Like, I want to start fresh. I want to build my life exactly how I want it because here I am. Like, I'm not like um, burdened down anymore by like the shame of right. the abuse and all the like mental trauma and all that, what that, how that plays a role on your, on your life, you know? And here I am like, I have a fresh start. I can create the way I want my place to look, the way I want to operate. And so like my living room is like my conference room. Mm-hmm where I have like one table and like people come over, we do workshops, we do meetings. My garage is my studio. Nothing in my garage except art stuff. So like, I don't even own anything. And so when this whole um, spark of joy cleaning system started like picking up traction this year, I was like, Oh, I have, I got rid of everything already. Like I don't need to get, but I still had things I could get rid of. And so just lightening that load, like the way that I like to talk about it is if, 
you want to change your life, the inside part of your life, who you are and what you're doing, how you're approaching things, you're like getting your outside life, your surroundings, like getting that in order first really helps with the inner stuff. And so freeing myself of physical things enabled me to free myself of emotional things as well. So Amber says she hates, her husband hates it when she throws things out, but she thinks it's so nice. And she also says she loves fresh, loves, ugh, loves fresh starts. And I actually feel like when you do pack things up and if you put them in storage and then you haven't touched them in five years, then that you don't need them, right? Mm -hmm. So it also makes you want to use the things that are around you instead of just gathering Um you know, maybe somebody, so I think that even with tools, if you're not using certain art tools, mm-hmm. like sometimes I'll end up hoarding like, Ooh, I'll might eat, I might need this, but maybe somebody else needs it worse. Or, you know, it's not part of my process right now. It was $11. I can get it again if I absolutely need it, you know? Well, the way that I look at that is I used to keep all kinds of crafts and supplies and because you never know when you're going to use it <laughs> until I had to pack up two rooms full of stuff and I was getting really serious about my um, art practice and so I only kept the things that related to the work that I would be creating and so everything else I got rid of because they almost ended up more like distractions than anything mm-hmm. else and so that's why it was easy to let go of that because I knew like where I was going and those things didn't like apply to that movement, that momentum forward. So I didn't have this question, but now that you say this, it sounds like you got a lot of clarity and I don't know what you did to really get that clarity. Cause you were like, I know I don't need this, this, this craft knitting is a distraction. It is not something that I'm going to be doing for, how did you, so you're exploring and then you just make a decision about some cause it, you didn't feel it or how, how did it make the cut? And then when did you decide if something was a distraction? And then how did you get so clear, how, so much clarity on who you wanted to be? And if this was part of the practice you were going to do? It took a long time. It wasn't like this just was like a happened in a month or whatever. Like, I feel like I have spent, you know, the last 12 years really figuring out who I am as an artist, just like slowly, but surely, but really the last three years I've gotten super clear on that. And, um, I spend a lot of time just being Mm. so that I can receive intuitive insight and clarity. Mm. And so I don't burden myself with the idea that I have to do something all the time Mm. in order to like get rid of the guilt for not doing something. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what happens. You you rest and then you feel guilty for resting Mm -hmm. because we're supposed to be, you know, going at lightning speed, doing everything excellent all the time. And that's just not realistic. So um, if I feel like I need to rest, I rest. And when I moved um, out of my house and into an apartment, um, I moved close by my bestest friends in the whole world who also live at the lake in Nashville. And so I spend a lot of time like at the lake, walking the trails in the woods. That's really how I find um, my center and my peace. And so I'll go out there and um, renew and Mm. be quiet. And you're doing it on a regular basis, not like once every three months or once every six months. It's part of like a regular weekly. Oh yeah. Like, right. Oh yeah. Like I build trails, I build campsites. Like I just get out there with all kinds of tools and, and I was like making land art out of rocks. Like I just was playing. I spent a lot of time in the woods growing up. So it just seems just like a natural fit. So yeah, that's awesome. All right. Regularly. Definitely. Yeah. So, so, but was that something you were doing before regularly? Is that like one of the changes, the habits that you made? Mm-hmm. So when I was studying um, how to heal from trauma, a lot of my research led me to um, rewiring the brain and um, I wanted to have a healthy brain. And then that led me into studying energy and studying vibrations. And so when I realized it was all like, if I could just have a vibration that was full of love and joy and hope, like these were some ways to do that. I mean, you can, you know, enter Google, how do you raise your vibration? And you'll have all these blogs about it. And so I just tried everything, right? So eating, you know, eating differently. And so I like changed my diet and I was eating all vegetables. 
And then, you know, going out in the woods and being with the trees and the rocks and grounding, um, meditation. And there's just so many different ways that we can improve our health. Mm. And I just wanted to practice all of them to see what worked for me. And so when I go out and talk, I give people a variety of tools for the toolbox so that they can pick and choose which ones are going to work for their lifestyle. Because not all of us can right. do all the things, but we can do some of the things. And yeah. um, a lot of it too had to do with like, what music was I listening to? What were the words that I was, that I was speaking? Was I speaking life or was I speaking death? You know, and it, it really boiled down to what are my thoughts? What are my words? And, you know, are they, are they reflection of who I want to be? And mm -hmm. so that awareness was key. So, so do you think your inner voice changed? Like your, the, the voice of Beth in college or the voice of Beth when she was a scuba diving instructor was, is a lot different than the Beth three years ago or the Beth 10 years ago? Yes. Because I didn't know the things that I know now. Mm. And um, I didn't even know that I needed as much healing as I did. I mean, right. the trauma really has impacted me in ways like it's hard to have good relationships because I'll shut down and push people away. But like, I don't want to be that way, right? I want to be open and loving. But like, there are certain habits that we implement in our lives because we were just trying to survive. Right. And it's I was surviving for a long time and I don't want to serve just survive anymore. Like I want to do more than just that. Like I want to thrive and I never thought that I would get to this place, but it's just been, you know, one foot in front of the other. So it's not easy, right? Healing from trauma is never easy. This is not something, but this is what I guess but I, I just it easier. Okay, that's good. And also people. I think you said it before, you can't people. really do it alone. You really no. need to have other people that are going through. So let's talk about this community that you created in Nashville. Okay. One, it's doable, right? Wherever you are in whatever city or, or town that you live in, you can create something. I know that um, a lot of times Andre comes and Andre's in Portugal and he's started kind of a creative group and he's had trouble kind of getting it going and growing. But, um, and we encouraged him last week, I think, to, to do this. And I'm excited that you'll be able to hopefully give them some tips as well. But there, you know, yours is actually both in person and online. So there's a Facebook group mm -hmm. and there's also an online. And so can you kind of paint the picture of how it started? And it's like every, the first Tuesday or something. Okay. I'll just yeah. start from the beginning. Um, I wanted to, I noticed that I had made a lot of relationships in the arts in Nashville. And I was really benefiting from those relationships because I was seeing like their posts on Facebook and um, it was wonderful sense of awareness of what was going on. And I was getting a lot of information really quickly. And I thought, how do we take all those relationships and like have a community benefit from them? So we started meeting in person um, for a few months once a month to talk about art, talk about our challenges we were facing, uh, talk about what we felt like the city needed more of, and we were really enjoying it. So we decided to start a Facebook group to keep those conversations alive. Can you tell us what, what kind of people were coming? Because this is the, another thing I love about your group. They weren't like, oh, these are designers. These are people practicing professionally, this was really much more of an open group, correct? Mm -hmm. So it was like artists of all different kinds, um, people who were interested in the arts, maybe they were curators, maybe they, you know, hosted art shows every once in a while, maybe they owned a gallery. Um, it was really just like my inner circle of friends in Nashville, what kept it started with. And those were the people who were always present at the events that I was seeing a lot, you know, like they were signing in and checking the box or like, yeah, I want to be part of this, you know? And so mm -hmm. those are the kind of people I surrounded myself with the ones who are like going out and making things happen. And so it started with that core and we had a lot of opinions. And so we love talking to each other and that's why we started the Facebook group later. So it started as in person, then it became a Facebook group. And, um, now because you were only, you were only meeting every month, once a month. Yeah. And so but the Facebook group was so that you could talk about it all the time. Mm. And grow Stay connected. 
stay okay. connected. And there really wasn't a place for individual artists to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and the individual artist community wasn't being served at the scale it needed to be served at. And so by so using an Explain that because I think there were things that you were learning about market or you knew about marketing that could help other artists. There were other gallery owners that needed these artists, but they didn't know about them and they didn't know how to find them. And I actually think this is probably a bigger problem in a lot of places. This isn't just a Nashville problem. So we weren't like, how do you know about openings or like calls to artists? Or, I mean, we were using the um, Craigslist artist group community group for a lot of communicating about what was going on um and individual artists have unique questions about how to get involved and what's a good idea and do should they do this show or how do you Mm. use this material and so um that's why the group was so important because we could talk to other artists Mm -hmm. like we didn't want to like an arts organization communicating with an individual artist is different than individual artists communicating with individual artists. There were and all like, kinds of things. It wasn't just business things. Sometimes it was creative flow. Sometimes it was prompts. Sometimes it was about a tool, right? Right. And like over the years, I've, I was teaching a lot of marketing, a lot of PR, a lot of things that I had been doing. But really, when it comes down to it, the group needs to be encouraged emotionally. The fear that artists deal with that stops them from taking that leap of faith or thinking that they have enough worth to even put themselves out there is what was crippling the community silently because no one's talking about it. But because we created such a safe space for artists to come and share and open up, like that's what a lot of people were dealing with. And I think that like last Monday we had our event Hmm. and there was a woman there and she said, I've been in Nashville five years and I haven't found my tribe. And I feel like in one night I found who I need to be with and it's you guys. And it's like, wow, you know, we are supplying a need and that is encouragement Mm -hmm. and support and resources. And um, it's really helping a lot of people who, you know, need that because it's, Go, go ahead. ahead. I, was go. Just, I was just thinking that we sometimes get to where we're going and then we quit, like just mm-hmm. right before we could have seen like a big breakthrough or what have you. And I think this helps us go like the extra 10%, the last, the last stride, because like we're doing that work at home and we're feeling good about it, but there just comes a point when you need feedback, where you need someone to just text you or call you and be like, you know what? I don't know what's going on with you today, but be encouraged. Go keep creating. Like, don't stop. Believe in that desire in your heart that's coming up and telling you what to do. Like, don't push that away. Hmm. And I know everybody has these intuitive messages that are calling out to them to do things. Mm-hmm. And we'll just cast it aside as if that information is not important. But I think if you say, okay, I hear you, I'm going to go do this. And then you do it. It's like you become a new person just Hmm. like with small little changes, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so all this was you, it was, it wasn't necessarily you on a stage. It was you with other people. And then these Monday meetings. Mm -hmm. um, So is it the second? The second, the second. That's where I got the second Tuesday, second, whatever. (laughs) Second Monday. And it's once a month still. And the group still changes in size. Sometimes uh, you have 30 and there's sometimes you have way, way, way more, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I like the small groups because I think more intimacy happens in the smaller groups. And so that to me, um, is, 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 it makes me so happy that that's still going on. Like we still have these small groups where we can connect and share in really special ways. But then we also have big events where there's like 150 people. Um, That's too much for me, really. I shouldn't be throwing events with that many people because it stresses me out. And I don't want to be stressed out. Right. Well, that's good. You got to listen to that into it, right? Yeah. And like I made, I created a boundary now where I wasn't going to be running the computer and the projector anymore. And I was just going to sit in the audience with everybody. Oh, that's good. 
that's what I did last week. And uh, it was no technology night. So there's no projector, no computer. Everyone had to bring their work and share it live. Oh, which that's I great. think is better anyways, because, um, yeah, know, computers always, the light is always different. You don't get the feel of it or how big the size is, the mass of it, or, or mm-hmm. the intricacies if there's a lot of details. So, so, um, how, so in the beginning it was just people around in a circle, maybe at a place, right? And mm-hmm. how did you find that location? Because I think some people, okay, yeah, I want to do this, Beth, this sounds great. Um, how did you secure a spot, a space that could hold? And I don't think all of them are sped up for like 150 people. A lot of them are much more smaller and then you're kind of just expanding. Well, here's the cool thing about Nashville. People really want to help and um, they want to share. And so the first year and a half, we were meeting in the clubhouse at the condo I was living in. So that was free, which was good. And um, it was where I lived. And so it seemed like little commitment on my end. And that seemed like I could be, it could be sustainable if Mm -hmm. I had it where I lived only once a month. That was like a once a month, a night commitment. I could do that. (laughs) So that's what I did. Like you have to ask yourself, what can I realistically commit to and create? Right, it's that. not going to over, you don't need to have these huge aspirations right in the beginning as you're building something because you may not be committed. I always tell people when they're doing a podcast, I was like, oh, you should commit to it for five years. And they're like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, five years. That's what I was told. And I, it really got me through a lot of the valleys where I was like, man, I want to give up. Mm-hmm. And there's still times after that five-year mark, I remember telling Ashley, And she said, Diane, how do you feel after you get off of an interview? And I'm like, I'm encouraged. Like, I'm so, I feel better because I got somebody else's story and I understand. And, you know, I I have some other new steps that I could take to help me or hopefully it'll help somebody else. Or somebody sends me an email that says, Beth really changed the way I look at this or or whatever. And that makes me feel like I'm making a difference. And I don't Mm -hmm. care if I'm making a difference in one person's lives or 30 people's lives. I think making a difference is making a difference. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, so having a small amount of commitment that you know you could do was really important. So what was something else? So when did it go to something bigger? Well, I had to move. And so I couldn't use that anymore. And so I was just telling every, I'm always just super transparent. So I'm like, you guys, we need a place. Help me. Ah!" And they're like, I got you, you know, and they like connected me with someone who had an event space. They had the same mission where they cared about supporting the creative community. And so we've been in that space for um, like five years. Wow. In the same location. And, Which also helps, right? To some extent. And there's free parking. Oh, even and better. And it's centrally located. So okay, it's so, a good spot. So then every, so do you have it planned out where people, is there a website people can go to or how do you, is it just the Facebook group? Okay. Yeah. So then, so then you have one, how many nights is no technology? I mean, how many it's times? It's always like by the seat of my pants. Like I don't... <laughs> And I don't care. Like, I'm just, that's, people need to know how to, you know, work on like the fly, you know, because it's like, you can get so much done in such a short period of time. And I think we psych ourselves out with these ideas because we think that they're going to just take over and be too much. But it's like, if you just do it, like you will see how you can get through it and you'll be impressed with yourself and how much you're able to actually accomplish. And so, you know, like sometimes I don't promote the event at all because I'm tired and I'm busy or whatever. Um, And then like a week before I'm like, Oh yeah, next week we're meeting up and there'll be like 60 people there. And it's like, Whoa. But then sometimes I'm promoting it for 30 days and then 30 people show up. So it's just like, you never know. And so I just always tell myself whoever shows up is who's meant to be there that night and just be grateful for that. There are people still coming. And still showing up and wanting to share. But you have to plan something sometimes, right? Uh, You have to say at least a week in advance, hey, bring your work. So whoever wants to share today's no technology night, Uh right? How how long do you give them to tell them like, hey, I'm going to talk about this or we're going to have a speaker or... Um, well, if I'm doing a speaker and then I'm going to promote it extra good, you know, because Mm -hmm. I want to honor that person who's giving us their time by showing up. 
But like if that's why we um, we switched to a show and tell format. So all the content for the evening is generated by the participants. And so that took a lot of the work off of my load so that now I just depend on the community because it's a group for the community by the community. Like I want to be someone who can help encourage the leaders to be leaders. And so that way, that's why it's sustainable. Like I don't even have to get on the page for a, over a week or whatever. And people are still posting and commenting and there's so much content and they know like if there's something on there that isn't look like in alignment with our mission, they'll flag it and report it or whatever. So, I mean, we're all working together, I think, to make this really great. And that was important to me because I knew it had to be sustainable. Like, cause this yeah. is a free community resource. Right. So, and so that's how I feel about design recharge too. I feel like, but it has to do something for you, right? Mm -hmm. So there was something that it was still doing for Beth in your creative process that made right. it so that you, you were able to continue on and that it didn't have that end game. Like, oh my gosh, I just got to get done with this. And I do think growing leaders is a whole nother part of of what you're, uh, what you're doing. And it's another yeah. art form, right? So what does it give you? The social emotional connections. Like I, you know, was alone and didn't have very many friends. I mean, and like, I just wanted a space where I could meet new people and connect with people consistently. And that, that doesn't mean that we're only meeting up on that Monday night event. Like when there's art crawls, we'll see people from the group when there's art events from maybe members who come a lot. So we want to support them. We'll all show up. So mm -hmm. I think like the more present you are with it, the more you get out of it. And yeah. so for me, it was just building um, relationships with people that were meaningful, having conversations that mattered. And, you know, it was just creating value, like really rich value and encouraging like what, each other what was an example? What's an example of that? Because I feel like some people are like, oh yeah, this sounds good, but I have no value. And I think that there, there is, you have something. So it's maybe, um, Chris Doe will say, teach what you're learning today. Right. And so you yeah. don't have to feel like an expert and that's where the show and tell format is great. But what would you say, like, what would be valuable or what would you give them as like an encouragement of if somebody else is trying to do this? Of value, because you, like, you said you have to add value. So what kind of value? Um, I mean, just creating a space for people to gather is valuable. You don't have to have anything planned. You don't have to have slick marketing. You don't have to have nothing. You just <laughs> get everyone together and start having a dialogue, and you will find the stuff there. So maybe it's having some questions to ask. And also this is one of your skills. I know just that you, you, you talk to me really easily and I think you can start conversations and you're interested in other people. And so it's just starting those conversations in bigger groups so that they can talk and that you know when to step back and let the group keep going. And then you know when to step in and kind of guide it if it needs to be guided. Right. Yeah. And the value I think is just, um, letting people know they're not alone mm -hmm. and, um, that they can truly believe that there are people out there who support them. Cause a lot of us only know that story of your family, not understanding you, your friends, not understanding you growing up through school and feeling a little bit different than maybe all your classmates because you were more like artistic and creative and maybe you weren't being met there because that's not traditionally how we teach our students in schools. Like we don't teach for the creative. Right. We teach for um, another way of thinking. And so that makes you feel like maybe there's something wrong with you a little bit. I think that, am I enough? Am I worth like, mm. am I worth something more than this narrative that I've been told for a really long time? And so it helps people to change that. And I think when they stand in their power, they share their story, then that's when they begin to really feel like what they're doing matters. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's also giving a space for people to come together because a lot of times people are working alone, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people I've noticed, like they um, want to come and share because they need to like make this declaration of mm. who they are and where they are. Like they need to speak it out louder than just to a close friend. Mm. They need to show, they need to almost like make us like, this is their starting point. Mm. 
Like the village. They need the village yeah. to keep them accountable or to say, hey, you said this. This was important to you. We want to see this. And it's the encouragement. I think the encouragement, again, um, I, I think that the value, I don't want a value to stop someone, say, oh, I can't do this. I have to add value. But really the value is just maybe coming together and being, being a conversation starter. Yeah. And, and being willing. I think one thing you've done is you've been vulnerable. You've shared your story. You've shared your art. So it's not like you're not doing this also, but it's not right. just about, hey, let's look at Beth's painting. Back to Beth's painting, right? It's <laughs> you definitely, but I think it, it takes that. You have to share a personal story to get mm-hmm. a personal story. Or when you, when you open up and when you're vulnerable, that allows somebody else to do that too. Right. And that's so important. I think like Monday night, we were talking about suicide and depression and anxiety and all of these things and being everyone in the group was being very open about where they are and how much art has helped them. Like a lot of people create art because they have something inside of them that needs to get out or they want to see something beautiful come out of them. And um, it's all because like there's, there's some tension inside that needs to be released and expressing it is just one way of doing that whether it's a spoken word or visual art or song and so we're all there to just share that expression right because it's not again just for visual artists it's any any kind of so um I want to, I, we've kind of answered all these other parts of this question, but here's one question I think, and I think it's important to have like a goal for your group, right? Mm -hmm. Even for you, it was like just coming together, being there, encouraging. Mm -hmm. What did you want them to leave feeling, leave a meeting feeling like, what was the, I want them to leave the meeting feeling blank. What was the blank or has it changed? Inspired, inspired. Because I believe that if we're creating then, and we're practicing the process of creating, we'll have a healthier brain. Mm-hmm. And if we have a healthier brain, we'll um, lead life in a way that encourages others to want what we have. Right. And so it just builds healthier communities. And I believe mm-hmm. artists, um, you know, we already know, like we have this desire to create or maybe this talent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if like, we can go out there and share it um, like that's, us doing the work. Right. And I think other people have shut those, um, gifts down and they're not necessarily feeling whole because they're not exercising their, their gifts. Mm. And it doesn't have to be professional. That's the thing. Like no one's judging you if you're not full-time professional, like it doesn't matter. Like, let's just all be creating more, Mm. like sitting less in front of a TV and creating more. Yeah, because it's something we did as kids all the time, right? We just, we wouldn't sit in front of the TV or a a tablet or whatever. There weren't tablets when I was a kid, except it was like chalkboard or something. I mean, I'm not (laughs) like Laura Ingalls old, but you know what I mean. (laughs) But I feel like we just, we made stuff out of shoeboxes, you know, we made we would do all kinds of things with our imagination. And I feel like sometimes, I ask my students sometimes when they're like in a, a lull or they're really having a hard time. And I was like, well, how, what do you spend your free time doing? And then I think that really tells a lot. And I think if you want to be better at whatever it is, I, even if it's accounting, I think creating is going to be, maybe you just do something with numbers and you create all kinds of things. I just, you got to go where that passion is. And, and one of the things I think you've done also really well is explore. And I think you have that kid-like love and you do, you said, Hey, I'm going to take a class, comedy class. So it was writing. There's a ton of writing that goes into comedy, right? But there's also standing out and being, um, being uh, in in front of people, being vulnerable and telling a story and then reading the audience. There's a whole another part, I think, with that. So you took a class. Um, mm-hmm. what, why? And I think you've probably done this multiple times with different things in your life. But what has that curiosity, I think, is, is the thing I, I love about you and that you just keep, it's a fuel for you. So what, um, how has that been uh, something that's come out of that creation? Cause that's also another form, I think. Well, I, I've had it in the back of my brain that I wanted to take stand up comedy for a while. And I've learned that when these things get in, stuck in my brain, things I need to do or want to do, like they're just going to keep ringing louder and louder until I actually do it. So that's why I just say, 
all right, I'm going to take stand-up comedy now. And he just go through the motions, buy the class and put it on the calendar. You know, it's coming. And then I remember the first night I was there, they were asking us to write um, a short bit and then go perform it. And I asked the teacher, like, uh, how are you supposed to do this if you never did this before? And they were like, just do it. And I was like, all right, so here we go. And, you know, then I spent the next six weeks writing comedy, performing comedy, until I had to do my big showcase where it was like all that content that was working really well with the audience. And so then I did it. And then I'll use that practice of writing and performing in my talks, which I've been giving. And now I'm like, I want to write a one woman show because I have so much to say and I want to play piano and tap dance and paint a picture. I mean, there's just so many ways that I like want to share this information that I have that I feel like will help people be inspired. So you make me feel like if we were in the same town, I would be like, oh my gosh, I want to be friends with her because she is doing so many fun things. Like it seems like you make me feel like being a kid, like just being around you makes me feel like, ooh, ooh, you know that when you're a kid, you're like trying different things or, or somebody, sh that's how you make me feel. And, and I'm 45 and you make me feel like that. So that's a really, that's a beautiful thing. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> I like feeling that way. It's way better than being an adult. Yeah, but you are an adult, but you're, I am. you're um, that's, the, that's the thing. I want to talk, we have about 15 minutes left and I want to talk about some of your art and I want to show some of your art Okay, because I really do have, it, it, it does have such a life to it. This medium, this sharing things live is to me great because they're here and they can mm -hmm. respond. I love that. So uh, you and I have talked about the philosophy that's been the cornerstone for your business and for this group of creatives is to lead fearlessly. Um, how did you get to that philosophy and how has it been key to your growth as a leader? And I don't know if you want to talk how your art has definitely played a role in this, I believe, and how you found this from some of that reflection and some of that quiet time. I feel like I just got so sick and tired of being afraid and, and stopping myself from doing things that I wanted to do because I was worried about what other people thought more mm -hmm. than I was encouraged to, you know, lead with my heart. And so I just got tired of it. And I was like, you know what, this is not worth it. I'm going to just do whatever I want to do. I remember I was, I saw this lady and she was like really old and she was wearing all this neon. And I was like, when I get old, I'm going to dress just like her. And then I was like, <laughs> wait, I can do that now. Like, why am I waiting? Like, there's no point in waiting. And so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And plus I have to say like last year, um, a couple years ago, I lost a friend and uh, his death was really sudden. And I just did not want to wait because you just never know when your mm. last day on earth is going to be. Absolutely. So you do have, um, you have some of these, I don't know what the, you and I didn't talk as much about your art last time because we were talking about so many other things, <laughs> but you have some where half of your face is painted and then some where your whole face is painted, which this sort of uh, shows a little bit. And then I think there's some Photoshop done as well. Maybe. Um, no, no Photoshop. Oh, this so is all this... done in the camera. It's a double exposure. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, what I do is I, I paint my face in order to stay, stay scared. Cause like, it's kind of weird, you know, and then you share it online and then you're like, that was scary, but it didn't kill me. So here I go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So it's just a tool for you to get out of being scared. Yeah. Uh, and so on my website, I have a whole portfolio of all the images that I have done to paint my face. So, so you have in this talk, this is kind of one of your talks that you, you have is follow your vision is one. Uh -huh. And then there's, there's some more that we'll get to, but this is one of the face paints in this. Yeah. this what kind of, is it face? Is it face paint? Or are you using like oh, acrylic? It's just acrylic paint. Okay. It's the same paint I use on my canvases. Like okay. I don't get that serious. I mean, it's like, that looks good. I'll use that. Yeah. So then the, you have these, which these photographs are incredible. And I love just the, the drama that's created. I think uh -huh. it's really, really neat. Thank you. So this one was done with, I wrote a poem to coincide with a photo essay um, about how to resist um, mm -hmm. to persist. So how can we resist and um, be able to do that over time without being burnt out? And so I wrote a poem about where I 
use the earth elements like air and water and fire and earth as a metaphor to our bodies and our voice. And so that's, uh, that's on my website too. Um, but yeah. So is this another double exposure? It is. So I started actually painting backdrops for the for the photo shoots. Mm. And then that led me into painting big pieces. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and you're a lefty. So this was one of your other like mantras is to create your plan. Yeah. You because like there's the thing is you're not going to just step into your dream life. Mm. Like you're going to have to walk it step by step and like what you want and the actions you take have to coincide for you to get to the next place. Like it, mm-hmm. it's like you have to walk down the street if you want to get from point A to point B. So how would anything else in your life be different? Like mm-hmm. you have to take those steps. So make a plan. Yeah. So I love this one. Know your worth. And this one is like when I clicked on this slide, this, this slide, doubt is an illusion. Man, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that is, it's the fear is I love that you paint your face to get over fears. So I think that, <laughs> so Alan's here and Alan, I'm going to, I guess, throw you under the bus, but this, I love the story. And I was telling somebody else this story the other day. He used to work at Kohl's. He's really quiet. He's one of my kids. And so he would say, um, you know, as you're trying to get people to talk about their work or, or talk about something or come out of their shell a little bit where you see they have a good eye for design, you want them, you see, and you see such potential, but they're just really too quiet. And I said, was, was it ever uncomfortable for you to, cause at Coles, they always say, well, you have to say hello. Hey, my name's Alan. Can I help you at Coles or whatever it was, you know? And he said, yeah, it was really uncomfortable in the beginning. And I said, but you lived through it, right? And he did. And he, and, and now he doesn't even think about it. I mean, he doesn't work at Kohl's anymore either, thankfully. But, um, but I think sometimes we need those really uncomfortable situations just mm-hmm. to get through. I love that. But I love that doubt is an illusion. And there's another quote I really like, and I forget who said it, but it's that um, we don't know enough to be pessimistic. Mm. Mm. Mm, yeah. Like, how are we to say that these limitations we've created in our mind are actual truth? Mm. Like if we remove the lies about what it is that we tell ourselves, then what actually is true? Yeah. So tell us about the joy bus. Tell us how you got this project. So Beth, this was a project for me in grad school. We had to design a bus that people oh. would want to ride on. And I, they, everybody did all these really clever marketing things. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope they don't call on me. I did it wrong. I could actually go home and do it right if they just gave me some time. I had all these flowers on the bus. Like I had a daisy bus and a, a, a sunflower bus and whatever. And it was just huge flowers. And and I was like, oh no, don't call on me. And then of course they called on me and they were like, <laughs> this. and everybody else was already presented they kind of weren't like loving their ideas, but this was the one of the first times where I thought I did it wrong. And really I just was answering the question of what would make me want to ride the bus? What would make me want to ride this bus as opposed to this bus? Not take the bus, not it wasn't a marketing ploy mm-hmm. or a, a gimmick or anything like that. And so that's how I feel like I have no idea because we, we didn't get to talk about the joy bus, but that's what it makes me feel like. I would want to ride your bus. I don't care where that bus is taking me. That's the bus I want to ride. Yeah. Well, you know, what if we bring up my website and then I can yeah. show everyone. Um, Which website? The beenglishart.com. Okay. All right. I've got it. Let me stop this share and start a new share. So, okay. Because it'll really show that process um, pretty clearly. Okay. So can you guys see this? So go to the homepage. Oh, sorry. I was on about. <laughs> And then um, scroll down. I love this one too, man. Oh. And then, and then click on the joy bus um, text. Yeah. And that'll bring us up to a gallery that has all the photos from the bus. So I painted um, this painting pure joy and that came from a vision I had. And the vision probably was, alive in my head for about two years before I actually did it. And, um, so I did it and then, um, 
my friend knew that there was um, a bus, the bus company was doing wraps. And so we contacted the marketing person, we hung up the painting, we pitched them the idea to do a joy bus and they loved it. And so they put us on the calendar for June and I just had to submit the design work and um, get it wrapped and they wrapped it. And then we hosted a party where I did a talk and then we all left the party and went to the bus stop and got on the bus together. And I would ride the bus and I would talk to riders about what was um, bringing them joy. And then we would leave mm-hmm. little messages behind with the label maker. Yeah, I saw that. You did a great job today. Yeah. So just like to keep encouraging people and just that same, because we, we are told to be encouragers and that's what I feel like I'm good at. And so, um, we just wanted to make that an extension of the bus. And so we had a fun time on that bus, riding around, talking to riders and. But even, so it was the out, it was the outside, but you also did the roof, the center, this panel. We did. Right. That was the first time they had ever done an inside and out bus. But Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, um, why couldn't we create like this space where it was like a dome like shape, but those design elements like that you could only put the put the vinyl on the top and then those things on the side were printed out and stuck in the so it was like we had some limitations we had to work around um but I think overall like it was uh it was such a fun project oh I think it's a terrific project and I love that I I there were there's so many things we have three minutes left, so I want to make sure people know we didn't um, get everything done for sure, but we covered a good bit, so that's good. So I want to ask you these are my rapid fire questions. Okay, when did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? When I was making art and showing art and selling art. Before you were, so it wasn't when you were a kid, or it wasn't when you were. It it was when you could give yourself that label. Yeah. Mm. So give myself permission because there was some evidence of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So when did you start thinking of yourself as an entrepreneur? Um, when I realized that just making art and setting it up and selling it wasn't like enough that I had to think about it bigger if I was going to create a life that was going to be sustainable and grow because I feel like there's a cycle that a lot of artists get into where they think that they're growing their business, but they're just burning themselves out. And um, I've seen it time and time again. And um, you have to think about how to make money differently. Right. Just like it's, it's complicated because there's a lot of different ways you can sell art. So you have to find what works really well for you and what you want to do. And I knew like, I didn't want to set up a booth and sell art that way because mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy that process. Um, I know having shows were fun, but it was so much work. Um, so now I think about just making and selling art differently and having diversified income streams Mm, Yeah, and and making sure it all fits together so that I'm not like doing two separate things that feel like they're not in alignment with each other. Right. Awesome. All right. So how do you recharge? You've kind of talked about this a little bit, but give us your really fast answer. I love to cook and I, I make delicious meals and I go out in the woods and I listen to music and I sing. Um, I sing in the shower. I dance in the car. I laugh <laughs> even if I'm crying. Mm. I just say that. And I say that stuff to myself over and over again. So I can like, remember <laughs> like, sure. I don't feel good today. What do I do? Sing in the shower. Okay. <laughs> can we do that? Let's see if that works. I feel a little better. What else do I do? Just dance in the car. Okay. I feel better. This working. <laughs> That's good. So what inspires you? I feel like connecting to people's hearts, like being able to see someone's spirit, um, feel their love and um, see things growing, just like change inspires me. You can find inspiration anywhere. So your, so your outlook has to be one that's open to receive it as well. I look for inspiration, even in the smallest of things, because I know if I can get the small things right, I can get the big things right. Yeah. Sometimes the smaller things are harder. Like a good cup of coffee. I'm like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> All right. What advice would you give your younger self? Don't take yourself so seriously and worry all the time. That's yeah. a hard one. Yeah. You have to say, okay, why am I worrying? What is it trying to tell me I care about? What's mm. actually true? Mm. Someone said the best thing about worrying is that 
99% of it never comes true. Yeah. Man, if I could burn calories about worrying, I'd be I'd just a pencil thin. But it doesn't do anything except create more stress usually. Yeah. All right, so what is next for you? I'm speaking more and, and I'm developing talks and I'm traveling and I'm making more art and working with more clients, just trying to stay on top of my business, making sure I'm doing all of the right things every day. I've got a great to-do list that keeps me straight, but really like just enjoy life more because mm -hmm. the work will always be there. Mm-hmm. I'm not a slave to my computer. I'm not a slave to anything really. Like how do I approach life in a way that makes me feel like I have a ton of choices and I'm, you know, being smart about how I'm living so that I don't look back a week later, or a year later, or 10 years later and feel like you weren't really that happy. Right. And be disappointed. Right. And you went through therapy to help you with some of the worry and, and what was true and things like that. So there were, there were some professional things that were going into it too. It wasn't like just one day she was like, I'm just not going to worry. Right? No. It was, <laughs> yeah. Therapy, energy healers, dance parties late night in the moonlight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, whatever you can do to free yourself, like do it. You know, like right. I love church, like that's a lot of how I recharge and um, it's wonderful for me because what it does is it connects me to who I truly am and feeling like loved and free from all the burdens that can potentially bring you down. Um, I think if you let the burdens bring you down, they will. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, there's so much I could talk about about this, but no, it's not easy and it right. takes work. And it takes um, sacrifice. Commitment. Yeah. Sacrifice, yeah. commitment. Like you have to commit to it. Like I committed to it because I was so tired of living with it. I was like, I've been living with this all my life and I'm not doing it anymore. You made yeah. a commitment to you. I can it. only save myself. No mm -hmm. one else is going to do it for me. That's right. And all right. I take that very seriously. I do too. I think that's terrific. Thank you for being so inspiring. There are a couple of things I want to make sure everybody knows. And I want to make sure that they know how to get in touch with you. If you're listening on iTunes or whatever, there's stuff below. So you can click on these links, but I want to make sure you have it. So if you go to um, rechargingyou.com slash 290, you'll be able to get all this in the show notes. But it's also Beth English. And English is I-N-G-L-I-S-H dot com. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the one that we just looked at was B English, just the art, letter, the letter B English art. I don't think I wrote that one in there. Let me do that real quick. Um, yeah, that's why I just, just finished that one. I think, I think I had it in another thing, but I didn't put it in this one, but I will plop it in and it'll be in the show notes as well. But you can follow her on LinkedIn at Beth English. Again, it's with an I for English. And then also on Instagram at Beth English. So it's really easy. I hope you guys, and on Facebook, um, be English art. And then if they're in Nashville, like Bear is, how would they, what's the group called that we could get him and you connected to? The Nashville Creative Group. Really easy. Bear, you can do that. So Nashville Creative Group. I'm writing that I down. I want people to find us because our SEO is on point. I'm like a digital internet scientist. Awesome. So just so you guys know, this has been, this is a month of entrepreneurs. We actually have five weeks. One's going to be me in the middle of all this. But next week we have Joe Bosack and I'm really excited to have him. If you haven't heard of him, he's also in a really niche field. He does um, sports teams and university logos, and he's been doing it for 25 years. And I think that is killer that he's had been able to grow and adapt and change and still be at the top of his game and in, in doing those things. So we're going to talk. We had a great talk this week. I'm excited to um, have it with y'all as well. So come with your sports questions or, or your drools of how things go. Um, but Beth, thank you for being an entrepreneur that we can kind of, that you really have a lot of interest, but you have, you focused in. And I think having that focus in your painting and then figuring out other ways to sell your art that works for you is also, and knowing who you are is really, really good. But you also have other ways that you make money, which is you do consulting and you um, help people with their SEO and, and all these other things that are these other talents that are your marketing talents. But then and you're the way also- I yeah, the way I think about it is like art directing their marketing. Yeah. So it's very artist focused, which I feel like is a major strength. 
Yeah. Because it's a different approach than say an, a marketer who's not an artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just want to remind you guys that the today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash design recharge. And um, I'm reading right now. I'm almost finished. I thought I was going to be finished, but I'm, I have like 37 minutes left in Girl, Wash Your Face. I don't know if you've ever read that book by Rachel Hollis. You would probably really like it, I think. Again, you can go to audibletrial.com slash design recharge. Another way to support the channel and the podcast and get a little bit of extra content, we do these extra part two episodes on Patreon at patreon.com slash Diane Gibbs. And then I build websites with Elementor, uh, the plugin, and I'm teaching my students how to do that. And in the summer, I'm going to be creating a whole bunch of videos that teach other people how to do that as well. And that's why I was telling Beth the other day, I was like, man, there's this plugin. You should get this plugin because this plugin has revolutionized the way I make um, websites. So you can get it at bit.ly, bit.ly slash drelementor. And all these are in the, if you're on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this, all these links are down below. And one last one, I usually use the Divi. I'm a WordPress or a CMS kind of girl. And with the, Divi, I use this um, Elementor plugin, but you can get that at bit.ly slash Diane loves Divi. And that's it. So guys, we'll see you next week with Joe Bosak. Beth, thank you. Thank you so much thank for being you. here today. And I hope you guys make sure you go and follow her. And Amy, I hope you um, get her to come to thrive. She even used that word today. I was super, I was like, she needs to be there. Yeah. I hope maybe Beth, you'll be able to come to Creative South sometime. We'd love to loved this she noticed i knew you would amy hopefully you'll be able to come and i can't wait to meet you in person we'll see y'all next week